David Adams here, the voice of the ring, and the following is a presentation of the Mancast Network podcast for the man in all of us. Hey guys, it's the Princess of Pro Wrestling, SoCal Val from Fight TV, and I am a proud Opinion City girl. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Opinion City Podcast. This is a professional wrestling podcast where we debate the hottest topics of the past, present, future, and beyond. I'm your host. My name is Ralph Heinmarch. He's my co-host and my tag team partner on today's adventure, and his name is Parmesan Russell. Of course, as you know, we do this podcast for you, the listener, so please reach out to us with your opinions at opinioncitypod at gmail.com. If you would like to support the show, you can follow us on all the socials at opinioncitypod. You can follow myself at Parma Cheezle, and you can find my buddy Ralph here at realralph316. If you like what you're hearing, don't be a stranger. Like, rate, review the episode, let us know what your opinions and what you think, and share us with your friends. Now, we are on episode 15 of Opinion City. Ralph, how are you feeling so far? How do you think we're doing? How do you, how do you, what's the feel? What's the vibe? All right. So, uh, let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about where Opinion City has been so far. Um, you know, we, we started this as, you know, just a way for us to kind of get our opinions out there to talk about some interesting things, um, stuff we like, stuff we don't like, um, you know, the kind of conversations that we would have off the air that we thought, you know what, we should have on the air too. Um, but I think we've I think we've hit a really interesting stride where we're at a point um, where we're kind of striking this balance between having one foot in the wrestling world and one foot out of the wrestling world because we we get to do our top fives we get to talk about our opinions but we have a lot of contacts within the world of professional wrestling especially the world of independent professional wrestling um, yeah. things we've things we've known uh, companies people stuff like that so um, I think it's been really interesting where we kind of get to this point of you know not just being uh, a podcast where we offer our opinions but really kind of bringing some people in that you know, may have had the opportunity to tell their story somewhere else, may not have had the opportunity, but also, um, you know, we, we get their opinions as well. And we let them yeah. talk about how they feel about professional wrestling, how they feel about independent wrestling. They get to talk about what they're doing. So um, for me, it's been really exciting because I've always, I've always loved um, the world of independent wrestling. I've always had a, a real strong connection to that. And so, yeah, it's been really great being able to, uh, you know, do those kind of things and, and get to really, um, you know, just have some fun and, and not only, you know, have great conversations with you, but also have, you know, great conversations with some friends that I know, uh, some some new friends, stuff like that. So yeah. it's uh, it's been really good. What about you? I'm just excited that uh, for the first time for fans who don't know, uh, 
the behind the scenes of things, but this is our first in studio episode of the podcast, which is also super exciting for me as well as for Ralph. Um, so that's also another big reason why this episode is so important. And then on top of that, we have our main topic of discussion, which is top five shocking betrayals in wrestling. And there are just so many to go over. The first one I wanted to mention, because now we have to we have to go back full swing from SummerSlam, is that Jimmy turn on Jay, which cost Jay the match, which was, I think, my number three prediction during that episode. Yeah, um... I don't, you know, there, there's there's two ways to think about this, really. Um, two things that I kind of find really interesting about it. One, um, you know, we, we've had interviews, and, and I think we may have mentioned this before, but th- there are interviews with Jimmy where he's always said he wanted a WrestleMania match with Jay. Yeah. And, and I get that. Um, you know, so we have this whole side of it where, this may be, you know, a, a direction that they wanted to head in. But I also think, and and I don't know why we didn't see this ahead of time, but I really think that if, uh, you know, Jay's not going to win the title, well, then how do we move the story forward? Because if Jay's not winning the title, then at this point, you know, Roman's got the win. He's pretty much done with Jay, at least for now. We don't know if that's going to be revisited at any time, but we know that, that's almost done. Yeah. Like that's, that's pretty well over for now. So what do we do? How do we kind of, because how do we take the focus off of Jay? Because we've spent all this time building up the Jay and Roman thing. And so the only way to really do that, to be honest, is to really go in this direction with Jay and Jimmy and just, you know, kind of take the focus off of Jay and Roman. It's the only way that I can see to really move forward with it. And somehow, Still keep it connected, but take the focus off of Jay and Roman because we spent so much time yeah. building towards. I think Jay they and did Roman. that on SmackDown. If you watch SmackDown, spoiler mm-hmm. alert. Um, after Jimmy explained to Jay that I did it out of love, I was afraid that you know you were going to become Roman, this a hole that's a manipulator and all this stuff. So I did this out of love, and if you want to hit me and waste you know thirty seven years of pain, then by all means do it. Initially, Jay didn't do it. He kind of teased and walked away, and then there was a scuffle with Jay and Roman and Solo. Jay got the upper hand, and then Jay calls back to Jimmy, come back over here, and you think they're going to embrace both of them have the hands out, and Jay just hits this gnarly super kick on Jimmy. Mm. Gnarly. And then he and then he basically tells the camera, I'm out of the bloodline, I'm out of SmackDown, I'm out of the WWE, and walks to the crowd. And And what's interesting about that is WWE is really doubling down on this whole idea of Jimmy quitting because they've already moved his profile on WWE.com. Or, I'm sorry, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong twin. Oh, they, they already moved Jay's profile on WWE.com over to the alumni section. Yeah, so they're really pushing this so whole thing as he quit. Really so playing it up. And yeah. uh, Jay's contract is up soon, too. So um, I we're kind of getting into, like, the CM Punk territory again, where you have a wrestler, maybe not in the same vein as CM Punk, because a lot of it had to do with the title, but you have this this wrestler who is in a major storyline, who just was in a major title match in, uh, not arguably, but the actual biggest SummerSlam of all time. Yeah, and you know he's his contract is going to be up soon, so I am sure that in the course of this, they're going to play that into the angle. Um, of course. But I don't doubt it. I just, for me, for me, the whole thing was a letdown. I don't think I really wanted to see Jimmy and Jay kind of split. 
you know, they spent all this time working up this storyline to get the two of them back together yeah. uh, for for all of this to go down. And there's almost no way they go back from this. Like, they can't play this up like, oh, this this was the plan of the Usos oh, to make yeah, Roman no. think. Because I think this is a way to give Jay the break. And then, as far as I know, none of them are going to be on SmackDown next week. So they might just, like, give the bloodline angle, like, kind of like a chapter close pause because I know Reigns is going to go away for a little bit, and then they don't have him, so why just have Jimmy and Solo? So I think they're just going to like kind of pause it and then resume the chapters once everything starts back up again. Because Not that I want them to go that far, but I, rem- I remember hearing that they were originally going to try and push Jimmy versus Jay for WrestleMania 40. Right. But that's so much months away still oh, that that'll so be, be dragging it out so far. By maybe having Jay quit, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, this gives it time to breathe. We kind of forget about it for a little while, and then we bring it back towards Mania season again. Yeah. If that could possibly make it work, because it won't feel as long, because it didn't happen as long. Because remember, Jay, quit. Yeah, I, I, think what's, I think what's interesting about that will be to see what an actual episode of SmackDown looks like without the Bloodline present. Like, yeah, because they take up so much time now. Well, like, they do. Almost an hour, sometimes, of just the Bloodline saga. And it's like, dude, give the other wrestlers a chance to be on the show. Yeah, um, and and I think that leads directly into, like, for example, you know, why L.A. Knight showed up on Raw and continued his feud with The Miz, because you've only got two hours on SmackDown, and you've got, you need guys that need time to get their stuff in, Yeah, and you have a guy that's so popular like L.A. Knight, and now he's not able to get his stuff in as, as much as, you know, they need him to. Cause you know, I've, I've heard uh, reports from uh, SummerSlam and, you know, LA Knight, with the exception of Cody Rhodes was the biggest pop of the night. Oh uh, yeah. And, and it's arguable as to which was louder LA Knight or Cody. Uh, no, LA Knight was pretty freaking loud when he won that battle Royal. It was like he won the freaking Super Bowl. The fans oh. went absolutely ballistic. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you really need you really need time to feature that. So to move him over to Raw to give him more time, I think, is is smart. But again, um, just another another move, you know, kind of based around this bloodline storyline where, you know, they they just they they take up so much time on yeah. SmackDown. So it'll be interesting to see what that looks like. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see if uh, a, a a short break from this uh, three year chapter of Once Wrong, which again. I'm, 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 I will say I'm glad that they're doing one that's actually a long storyline, but also at this point, they have to keep thinking of new ways to keep it fresh. That's all I'm going to say about that. Now, if we're going to mention Shocking Me Trails, we can't forget the one that everyone's going to say and mention. That's why it's not on our lists, but we are, but we are going to mention it because, again, it's just as important as any other betrayals on our lists. And, of course, I'm talking about when Hogan turned on WCW and went for the NWO how can you not talk about it? It's like, it's one of the most memorable scenes in my head of them throwing water bottles and garbage at them. As soon as Hogan announced it, the instant heel turn, like the instant heel turn, as soon as he leg dropped macho man was just like, how can you not talk about it? Yeah, it's, um, and, and that's the kind of thing that like, you know, it, it transcends the world of wrestling. Cause here we are, how many years later, how many decades later, we're, we're still talking about it. And, and part of that is because of, just the the way that the NWO sort of um, I- invaded pop culture and just carved its niche in pop culture. Yeah. But part of the reason that it's so amazing and so shocking is because of what Hulk Hogan was able to do previous to that. Now, yeah. um, 
we here at Opinion City do not necessarily want to make anyone feel old, but we are going to make <laughs> wrestling fans feel old right now because Hulk Hogan just had a birthday this past week. Yep. And you do you do you know how old he is? Was he like seventy seven? Seventy years old. But oh, that's close enough. That's pretty old. I mean, think about that. I jumped seventy it. years old. But I jumped it. But he he had this he had this amazing career, um, you know, before the turn in WCW and. You know, you look at he he was such a huge figure in pretty much everything that happened in in the success of professional wrestling in the 80s. There'd be no WrestleMania. There'd be there'd be none of this. I don't think if, you know, Hulkamania ran wild in the 80s. And again, you know, a a creation of a lot of people. You know, Hulk Hogan was the star, but we can't, you know, forget everyone else that had pieces in it from Vince McMahon to Roddy Piper being the perfect heel for him. Yeah. Uh, just just great stuff that that all kind of worked together to build this thing. But that's almost why it was so shocking, because yeah. you had this, uh, you know, I mean, at nobody this thought point, Hogan was going to be like ever ever turn heel because he truly believed in the whole vitamins, prayers and American way gimmick. So like nobody yeah. thought I think even the show day of it was like. Hogan didn't choose until the very last minute what what he was going to do. Well, and and part of that story is that Sting was the one that was always supposed to turn, and they were you know they weren't sure if if Sting was going to do it or not, and so they had you know Hogan as the backup plan, and then Hogan wasn't sure he was going to do it, and th- there were so many factors that you know because you think about it, it is you know it is a big thing. You you become the biggest you know baby face in literally the history of professional oh, yeah. wrestling. He was the baby face. And now you know you're giving all that up. You're you're you know pooping on the fans. <laughs> you're you're giving it all up. You're you're done with it. Um, but it was really brilliant. And to to say just like now this is just a short story to tell you how like crazy this was. <laughs> so I was in uh. At the time, I was taking summer school. Uh, summer I was ta- I was taking like college courses during the summer, and so I was in a math class on Monday morning after it happened, and the professor of the class knew that I was into professional wrestling. So all of a sudden, right in the middle of class, he stops what he's doing and he's like, "Hey." Did you hear that Hulk Hogan turned to a bad guy last <laughs> night? I mean, seriously, That's awesome. math class, That's awesome. and the professor says to me. <laughs> about Hulk Hogan turning heel, and I'm like, yeah, it, it was it was pretty crazy because it was. I mean, no, it was. It it wasn't it wasn't just a it wasn't just a shocking betrayal of WCW. I mean, I I, I hate to really be like this, but I mean, you know, Bobby Heenan kind of ruined it. Yeah, I mean, you listen to the commentary, and Hulk's on his way down to the ring, and and you know, Bobby makes the speculation and I'm like, every time I watch it back, cause, <laughs> cause I try to watch that whole pay-per-view like from beginning to end just to, you want to get the feel of what like the world was at that point yeah, as course. far as WCW yeah. and, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, you've got Hulk coming down, everybody's all excited and Bobby's like, oh, could he be the third man? And I'm like, yeah, as soon as he said it, it, like it, it, it like clicked as soon as he said it. And I was like, no, don't, don't, don't tell me. No, this no. And then yeah. as soon as he like went for the fake out late drop, I was like, oh, but it was done so well, though. Like it was done so because well he because he still kind of faked it out and then did the late drop not once, but twice, but like maybe three times. I, I, I lost count. But like, yeah, it was. Ugh. Well, and I think most people were probably thinking to themselves, no, it can't be like there's no way he's go- like there's no way they're going to go through with it. There's no way he's going to make the turn. 
And then all of a sudden it just happens and you're like, holy crap. But like, I think he knew at that point as well that his character was getting stale. I think I think oh, sure. he had to make a decision at the end that are like, do I want to still be this guy or do I need to make the change? That way I'm not going to still be stale and they're going to start booing me because they don't want me to be there. I mean, so I think at that point he had to make the switch that way he could stay stay relevant within the company. Yeah, when when you get to the point where Hulkamania is now Postamania, there's yeah. a problem. Like, <laughs> I remember that commercial. There's an issue. Dying. Oh, the the worst in the in the, in the apron and the chef hat and like yeah, it, it's it just bad. yeah. So, I mean that was that was smart. Um, you know, it, it was smart on everybody's part to to pull the trigger on that for for Hulk to be willing to do it because I mean. You know, like I don't, I don't think that could, I don't think that could work now. No. Like if, like if John Cena came back and turned heel, everybody would see it coming because everybody's wanted it for so long, and he would become the biggest babyface more than he is now by turning heel. Uh, probably, <laughs> but yeah. So I mean, and you, you think back to, you think back to a time like, you know, when when Hogan turned. I mean, obviously, the whole NWO storyline was just crazy to begin with because oh, yeah. we're seeing things that we never thought we'd see and they're blurring the lines we don't know if hall and nash are there from wwf we don't know what the deal is yep. like they, they're kind of turning everything upside down but at the same time i don't think that you know like we were not conditioned for the shocking betrayals like we are now yeah like most of the we're time trained yeah we <laughs> see a shocking betrayal and we're like oh well i could have seen that coming well back then we weren't conditioned like that. I mean, we really didn't have that many, uh, you know, like really big turns like that. I yeah. mean, you you look at like just just where we were at in terms of just you know uh, surprises and wrestling and things like that. The shocking turns wasn't like this huge thing yet, but no. it definitely I think became something after that moment. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, like you said earlier, it became like bigger than wrestling like it like it's a moment that everyone remembers even if they're not wrestling fans they know that moment like with your math teacher like he may not have been a fan but he knew that moment because it was just so huge for that time because no one expected it so like when when non-wrestling fans know about a wrestling event that's when Mm -hmm. you know that it transcends like the entire wrestling universe because it goes beyond that absolutely and i think a lot of our um because on this list in my mind might be the same thing where they transcend some of them might transcend wrestling. It depends on what yours are and what, and what mine are. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's that's probably. I mean, that that's easily the biggest turn in the history of professional wrestling. So we really couldn't we really couldn't put that on our list because no. it, it would have to it would have to be number one. There's yeah, yeah, there's there nobody would be no that other touch option. That, it would so, have to be number one. Yeah, that so would be, be the uh, end all be all. Wouldn't be any fun. So yeah. All right. So. I came up with my top five, uh, you know, shocking betrayals, shocking turns, what have you. Um, But I did come up with an honorable mention. And we talked about this quickly before we went on the air. I didn't tell you what it was. Um, But I came up with an honorable mention because when I was thinking about shocking betrayals, there was one thing that popped in my head. And that one thing was not shocking betrayals. (laughs) Not shocking betrayals. So it... (laughs) But one one single name came to mind when it came to uh, not shocking betrayals or not shocking turns, and that's the Big Show. Of course, the the, the biggest turner of you oh, baby face. Listen, in so, the history of the company. So <laughs> I mean, every time oh. he turned, 
it could just be called the big embarrassment because it was never a that's shocking. what it was. So it happens so often. Um, as as far as uh, as far as big shows turns, um, you know, as of December 2019, now this is the record Can't I pulled off the this. internet. As of this. December 2019, according to Wrestle Talk, Big Show has turned heel or face 34 times. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's a lot that's of times. Unreal. Yeah, that's, a lot. that's unbelievable that something like that could even happen. I just don't think they knew what to do with them because of like. Because they did the giant thing for a while, but then they're like, okay, how can we keep him relevant? Oh, let's turn him heel again and and again and and again and again and again. And even, <laughs> I mean, even his, even his very first appearance was a heel turn. Because yeah. he wasn't expected to come in as a heel, and yep. all of a sudden he's helping Vince McMahon in a cage match with Steve Austin. Which like, didn't help, because didn't Austin win the match anyway? <laughs> Yeah, because B- Big Show picked him up and threw him into the cage, and the entire side of the cage yep, did, swung open, help. and Austin dropped down, and it was like, you know, the big embarrassment from way to go, the show. get-go. Way to go. Listen, uh, and, and this, is, this, is, this is nothing against Big Show. He's, you know, I'm sure he's a great person. Talented. I've met him before. He was super nice. Um, I'm sure he's a great person. He's, he's a great wrestler. He's had a great career. He's been, you know... All over the place, uh, been in some of the biggest angles um, in in history. So, nothing against the Big Show, but <laughs> you know this is this is as much a knock on creative as it is anything else. Because, yeah. like you, the very first thing you said was you didn't think they knew what to do with him, and they didn't. No, I they honestly no don't idea. think because again, you can only do, be the giant for so long before people go, like, "All right, what else is it, what else can you do?" Can he be funny? Can he be serious? Can he be like sad? Like, can he do more than just be the giant? Ah, like, right, right, um, yeah. Because I, I don't know that they, they and they've they've done some good things with him though. Like, I don't understand like where the where the disconnect comes in because they have done some great things with him. Um, you know. Tagging him uh, with Jericho in Jericho. That was great. Tagging him with The Miz. Like, the stuff that they've done with him at times has been spectacular. Um, and honestly, one of my one of my absolute favorite moments in the entire history of wrestling. His match with Mayweather? Uh, no. That's good one. Um, well, that was a good one, though. <laughs> uh, what, was, what was great about that, though, was the build-up to yeah. the match beforehand yeah. where... Mayweather took a real swing at him in the ring and like broke his, his nose. nose yeah, yep. like that. The, yep. the build up to that match was great, and uh, you know I, I do think that was a good match. But seriously, one of my favorite moments was when uh, Big Show was impersonating people every week, and that seems to be. Oh a, yeah, that was great. That, that was, tends that to was, be a theme fun. with me. Yeah. Like because I was super into Al Snow when he was the European champion yep. and doing that every week. But when Ho- when uh, Big Show came out as Hulk Hogan. If you closed your eyes, you thought you were listening to Hulk Hogan talk. Like the Big yeah. Show's uh, impression of was pretty good. Hogan was, was good. so good; yeah. it was spot on. But uh, yeah, so my honorable mention goes to uh, every Big Show turn ever, and none existence. of them were shocking. Ever. <laughs> I mean, it was like, you know, what's uh, what's he what's he what's he this week? Is he exactly. is he heels? He face? Is Who's he, he turning on? Yeah. Let's take a wheel and spin it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like here, we'll just pull out of a hat, and which one are you? Like, this what week? is he doing today? He's a heel. All right. <laughs> yeah, at that, I, at, and I'm sure there were conversations like that, exactly like that. Pretty much, must have been. Yeah. All right. So, 
Um, I, I feel like this is going to be a super huge topic for us and yeah. some, some great stuff to talk about. I'm so let's, I'm excited. let's just hop right in with your number five. My number five has, for once, like many of your lists, been my, is my favorite out of my top five. Um, oh. Just because it was, because this was peak NXT black and gold days, peak NXT black and gold. And this is when Triple H started getting creative with the ending of his takeovers. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite ones was when he started the whole logo fake out. The, uh-huh. That bottom logo would appear on the screen. You think it was over, and then something would happen. Yes. My favorite one is NXT Takeover Chicago when Champa turned on on Johnny Gargano, because that was the, one of the first times where they did the logo, the um, logo fake out, and they had just had a grueling match with Authors of Pain. Remember them? Great mm-hmm. team. Yeah. They vanished. Um, I think they quit wrestling. Yeah, something like altogether. that. I don't yeah. know, but yeah, no, they were great. But they lost to them, and they both hugged it out. They walked up the ramp. The logo appeared, and, and as soon as we thought it was over, Champa just goes after Gargano like in the worst, in the worst way. Just assaulted him, and man, like talk about a high show ending in the worst possible way. The fans, and I think even people watching at home, were just like not just hurt but heartbroken because DIY as a team were just up to that point just phenomenal together. Their matches were great. Like it was just such a twist. And the way they did it was just perfect in my eyes. Again, with that logo fake out, was just the 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 best way to like fool everyone, hmm. thinking that it was over. So I did that did not make my list, but I do have to say that when I thought about shocking betrayals, um, that one did hold a, a special place in my mind for a couple reasons. One, um, it was I mean it, it to me. It's it's the definition of what makes a good shocking betrayal because I yeah. I legitimately did not see it coming and I was legitimately shocked when it happened but I think shocked in the best possible way no because it created one of the I think best feuds of NXT Black and Gold up until that point oh it absolutely there did. there were twists and turns at every corner you never knew what was going to happen you never knew yeah um and just like you said I mean he really went after him and for me. The key point of the whole thing was the ending visual. Yeah. With him just sitting there on the ramp and like Gargano laying there like lifeless. stone glazed lifeless. lifeless with like his head laying on Champa's knee. And Champa was also Injured. looking. Well, Champa was also looking at the very same way that, that Gargano was, but completely. Yet completely different. Like yeah. Gargano was lifeless, and Champa was just like emotionless. Yeah, like he was it, just it was like, so, yeah. it was just so good. As soon as uh, Champa grabbed Johnny's head and just threw him against the freaking entrance, entrance, I was like, holy, oh man, yeah. Like it was just, just a visual that again I can't get out of my head because that was I think the start of every other. Surprise was when you you would have to wait for the logo to come and say, okay, is it over or mm-hmm. is it a swerve? Because to which would, would would love to just be like, all right, it's over. <laughs> Psych. Yeah, there's more to it. Yeah, <laughs> like- really. Um, and you know, we we talk about like defining moments, but that, there yeah. there are defining moments that define, I think, what a professional wrestling character is, and I feel like. This attack 100% defined exactly what uh, Ciampa was going to be moving forward. Oh, Just yeah. His, his character, I mean, you literally saw the moment where Ciampa became this person. And it, 
honestly, I mean, if I if I look at um, like NXT title runs and I look at like what my favorite NXT title runs were, not necessarily like the greatest runs, but for me personally, what my favorites were, uh, Ciampa's title run is is one of my absolute favorites. Um, Just his his devotion and utter obsession with the belt. He would hold it like it was like the last thing on earth like he held oh, yeah. that thing like it was his baby it was it was, <laughs> it was so great. good uh, it was it was great is an excellent word for that um yeah that that to me and again you know the ending of that tag team you know just everything that came from that uh you know giving giving both of them you know time for singles runs yeah and, um it it served its purpose 100 percent. i think it was brilliant um, and I, even though it's not on my list to me, if, if I look at, if I look at my list, um, there are a few of these that are like a, a little bit shocking, but for me in that shock, I also want like a surprise. Like yeah. I want to be, I want to be fooled. Like, I don't want to think that like this turn is going to come And yeah. in, in some of these that I've named, I, I feel like you could almost like feel a yeah. turn coming yep but there you couldn't it was such no, a surprise because they paused before he threw him mm-hmm. like they both hugged they embraced i think Campbell said something to him right before he threw him you don't know what it is because there was no no mic and he just threw him yeah. so hard through that through that entrance way yeah i was like oh man you really you really thought this was gonna be like a gargano moment you thought this song, was gonna be like, like a whole thing yeah. yeah and they just i mean they just swerved us like you wouldn't believe so that is that is a that is a great pick. Uh, I definitely that's one I definitely thought about. Um, yeah. So, uh, my number five, uh, leading up to leading up to my number five, uh, and and the actual moment of the turn, everyone expected something else to happen. Okay. It wasn't this turn. Um, it wasn't surprising that there was a turn. Because everybody pretty much expected a turn to be coming. However, it wasn't the turn they expected at all. So my number five is Seth Rollins turning on the shield and aligning himself with the authority. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing about that is, okay, so we should have we should have seen something coming. And I think everybody did, because here you have the shield, this ultra talented group. Um, their their debut was crazy after just killing it uh, in NXT, and then when they got to the main roster, their series of matches with the Wyatt family so are some good. of my favorite matches okay. of all time. If if I had to pick like a if I had to pick favorite feuds, that would that would be in my top five somewhere because it, their matches were just so amazing, and the Shield itself was just such so this, good so good and they were so different for the time too such a cool gimmick in a different way like they weren't they weren't like any other sort of stable that you saw out there um but the the underlying sort of um like i don't know how to put it um like right under the surface there was this kind of almost a tension i want to say oh, yeah, because the last like 6 months i want to say they started to do this like tease of like Ascension yeah. between the shield and, 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 and the architect it, would always bring it back around. Yeah, and, Rollins. and part of it, I feel, is that you know this this idea of of this tension comes from the fact that you have three guys that are just legitimately waiting to break out, like yeah. waiting to become stars. Yep. And so, 
leading up to all of this, I mean, pretty much, you know, everybody and their sister thought that it was Dean Ambrose that was going to turn on yeah. the shield. That yeah. was that was the thought. That's and then what they were teasing. When he didn't, everybody was like, oh, things are great. Yep. Like, everything's good. Shield's great. Everything's good. And then Seth Rollins just took that and said, pound sand. Yeah. <laughs> like, he basically told you to eat it uh, because he just had... He had no, uh, no, th- that was it. Like he was done. Yeah. But I think what made that even more shocking, um, you know, in addition to the fact that he turned, I think what made it even more shocking was that he aligned himself with the authority and yeah. Triple H, which, you know, um, again, there's, there's all these, you know, subtle hints. And we oh, certainly, yeah. I mean, we certainly saw, you know, uh, Seth was using the pedigree. And, yeah. So it wasn't like, you know, it, it was that necessarily far-fetched but at the same time it was we were confused i remember because me and aaron my brother went to extreme rules 2014 the year that the shield beat evolution oh, wow. and i didn't think it was the very next night on roll was when the turn happened and i was like wait a minute in my mind i was like they just beat evolution why 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 yeah why <laughs> i was like what this came from like in my mind it came out of left field because i was like i just saw them together as one clean beat evolution mm-hmm. and now there's, as Switch called it, there's always a plan B, and then Rollins happened. I'm like, oh, man. That one, that to me was a shock, because I wasn't expecting it, because maybe I was just fooled by the 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 the, the show. They they got me. I was duped, but I did not see it coming yeah. when it happened. That chair shot literally silenced the crowd. Oh, yeah. As soon yeah. as he hit Reigns, there was a, just there was the a wow, out. and then a shh right away. Yeah, you could hear the air go right out. Yeah, I mean, nobody was... saw that coming, man. No. Um, and I guess, you know, when, when Triple H said there was a plan B or there's always a plan B, you know, um, at that point, I think that there was I mean, it couldn't have been anybody else because I think the the characters at that time, I don't think anyone other than Seth would have fit with the authority. No. Um, you know, and again, here we have uh, here we have these defining moments that we talk about and it. You know, we have another turn that kind of sets up someone uh, as to I mean, it 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 eventually set up everyone to what they were going to be. However, like Roman kind of stayed with the shield gimmick a little bit. Yeah, uh, for a while. You know, Dean Ambrose kind of went off on his own, which, again, was like the WWE version of indie John Moxley, which, which was not good. good. No, <laughs> Matt, we just didn't let him do anything. He was just a silly guy that was crazy. Yeah. We were we were both on the same page. Although I do like uh, the the match he had with um, one of the members of the New Day, and they had like the what it was it the ice cream cart, yep. and he destroyed the ice cream yep. cart. Like he was just outside the ring flipping out, destroying the ice cream cart, and I'm like, that's that's brilliant. That's just funny to me. I, I yeah. that's entertaining. But um, I mean, everybody kind of knows how John Moxley was on the indies and yeah. you know, we, we see a little Much bit different. of it. We see a little bit of it every time he wrestles on AEW cause he probably bleeds more than anybody else in the sport. Right yeah. Now, but I feel like at this point, if you're going to do like one of those, uh, wrestling fantasy things, one of the questions should be, will John Moxley bleed in a match? Yes or no? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that would be crazy. Um, but yeah, I, you know, um, it, this, this kind of defined almost, three people's careers as far as wwe was concerned it was the launching pad yeah so uh that is that is my number five all right good pick i for number four 
The only reason why this one is even on the list because again, for me, it felt like an obvious answer, but it needed to be on the list because again, similar to the Rollins with the Shield, I think this one also catapulted a wrestler to his one of his greatest solo runs, and that was when HBK turned on Marty Jannetty in '91 on the Barbershop Show. Because at that time, nobody thought that Sean was in turn on Marty. Even though they sort of teased it here and there that, that there was tension between the Rockers and their their alliance had been called into question. But the intent of that super kick, to me, was just why it was so shocking. Because of how hard he hit Marty. Like, there was that pause, their hands were both raised, and then he just whacked him one. And then threw him in, and then of course threw him into the window and, you know. Oh, shock. But still, like it had to be on the list because, again, mm-hmm. I think if that didn't happen, HBK's superstardom wouldn't have launched to new heights because of that heel turn. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we talked about Bobby Heenan a little earlier, kind of ruining almost the Hulk Hogan turn. Yeah. Bobby Heenan was brilliant during this oh, turn. Oh, yeah, this was much better. He much was, better. He was so good. Like... I mean, he he was he was right on top of everything, like talking about, you know, how, how great the Rockers were and now yep. they're together. And then the minute the super kick hit, he was like, "I knew it! Like, I knew it! I knew like, it all along!" <laughs> yeah, like it, he was so good. Um, and and the moment was the moment was so good too. Um, I, you know, there were a lot of people that played parts in this, and you know, like, uh, Brutus Beefcake's reaction to the whole oh, thing yeah. was, was amazing. Perfect. Um. I mean, they they could not have set it up better, and you know, yeah, the, the throwing him through the barbershop window is like this iconic uh, thing visual, in the history yeah. of wrestling. You can never not see that um, everywhere. But there was another great visual that I really enjoyed from that whole segment, and that's at the end of it. After you know, Brutus Beefcake is uh, you know attending to to Marty and all this stuff. And Shawn Michaels looks in the camera, and he has the WWF magazine with the picture of the Rockers, and, and he just tears, tears it in half. half. Yep, so good. Yeah, like, just, yeah, just again, it. And I know it's an obvious one, but it needed to be on the list because of what it did for. I mean, unfortunately, just HBK because Marty G. Jennings unfortunately got kind of the short end of mm-hmm. the stick there, and kind of went down the card. Yeah, and HBK went freaking above and beyond, and I don't think you know. If he didn't turn heel, I don't think we would have gotten the heartbreak kid as we know him today. Yeah, certainly not. What do you think? No, certainly not. Um, And I think that his, uh, you could see it from the very moment that he tore that magazine. Shawn Michaels was built to be a heel. Oh, absolutely. I mean, his his heel run as, you know, Intercontinental Champion. Then they brought in Diesel. And And that was great. two dudes with attitudes tag yep. team and like his his heel run i think you know because we think of Shawn michaels as mr wrestlemania of course we think of him as the icon we think of him as the guy who you know uh fake retired flair yep uh we, we think of <laughs> we, we have all these iconic moments we think Hate of him that. as you know hbk from the greatest wrestlemania match of all time him and taker yep like we have these pictures of him but i don't think we give enough credit to the heel turn because mm-hmm. i mean there's been there's been missteps. Like not everything he's done has been great. No, but I feel for like the most part when they inducted him into the NWO, like we were, you know. Uh, uh, but 
<laughs> I, I don't. I, I was not a fan of that. In fact, I was not a fan of the backwards hat he wore during that either. Yeah, but, every time. <laughs> but yeah. Um. So there, there were there were some missteps. Um. You know, when he came back and won the elimination chamber in his Shawn Michaels brown outfit, <laughs> which was just hideous, and the hair, the short haircut was terrible. The haircut um, I didn't mind. I just was questioning oh, why he man, wore the brown. He, he he looked like um, <laughs> he, he he looked like he should be selling Dutch boy paint. Oh jeez, and that dates me as well. But um, uh, it's terrible. Uh, but I mean, there are all these other great moments, like his his comeback with the the street fight against Triple H at you know SummerSlam, and just just so many great moments from him. But I don't think his heel turn or his heel run gets enough no. credit for being as as good as it was. I mean. You know, it 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 spawned his theme song. His it's what uh, made him a superstar. His his stuff with uh, you know um, Sherry, Sherry Martel was great. Was great. Um, oh man! And there's there's this funny story um, that uh, Jimmy Hart told about um, Shawn Michaels' music, and everybody thinks that that's sensational sherry singing on his theme song and it's not it's actually jimmy hart and they had to dub it up because something something happened with the studio that they were supposed to tape in and and they were late or whatever and they weren't able to get like the backup singers there to record that part so he recorded it and then just you know transposed it way up to make it sound like uh, a girl so that that's just a funny i think there is a version of with sherry though uh, there, there is I think a, version, a version without Sherry. I, then there's one with Sherry. There is, I think, there's one very early on. Um, that, but the what I think the original was Sherry singing the part, and then they had another recording, the one that Sean used for the yeah. rest of his career, where it's him doing the main vocals. Yeah, but then the backup vocal is is Jimmy Hart, which is crazy. But gotcha. Um, yeah. Again, just you know, uh, another another moment that really. Um, defined two different careers, one in a good way and one in a bad Not way. A good way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I like that pick. That's really good. Yeah. All right. Uh, so my number four, and this one is going to take a little explaining because okay. this is not just one turn, <laughs> but this is two turns. Oh, okay. So uh, my number four spot goes to Sergeant Slaughter, okay. who turned twice in one night. No. Okay. <laughs> twice in twice in his career, okay. But I think both of them deserve mentioning. Right. So we all know we all know the heel turn where he you know uh, became the Iraqi sympathizer. Yeah. He started listening to you know like spouting the teachings of Saddam Hussein, yep. and he brought in General Adnan and all these things. Yeah. Um, you know, burned the Hulk Hogan shirt, which. Uh, yeah. The story I heard was that they originally wanted him to burn an American flag and he refused. I, so then it became good for him. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So then it became the Hulk Hogan shirt. Um, that that run to me um, was was really amazing. Um, how he how he won the title during that reign was amazing because that also involved the Macho King yep. continuing his feud with the Ultimate Macho Warrior. King. And I'm telling you, when when Macho King came out. At that Royal Rumble match, I mean, I don't think I've seen anybody sprint to the ring faster. Like, I mean, he he was doing like ninety miles an hour to the ring yeah. to hit Warrior with. I don't know if he missed his cue or I, I don't know. know what the why he was running so fast. But that when he smashed that scepter over Warrior's head, that was like crazy. But you know, Sergeant Slaughter became this huge heel, and and to the point where Slaughter tells stories about. Um, death threats during that time yeah. and he was he was uh, on the road for WWE um 
and and he gets this call one time and they said listen everybody's okay your family's okay but we had to move them to a safe location because you know we had these death threats and people knew where your family lived and so we had to move them to a, a safe location so i mean he took he took a lot to it took a lot for him to really, he put a lot on the line for this turn. Um, and this was like his big return back to WWE cause he had been gone for a while. Yeah. Um, you know, him and Vince did not agree on some things. And so he left and, uh, the story goes that he, um, wrote to Vince McMahon and told him how great he thought the product was and yeah. how he thought, you know, it was time for him to make a return. And Vince said, sure, you can come back, but this is how you're going to do it. And this, you know, uh, so we all know about that. That's that's well documented. However, Sergeant Slaughter had a turn very early on in his career. So he was a heel to start off with. Right. Um, he he talks about how he was the first wrestler to really use theme music. He showed up in Allentown one time for tapings, and Vince Senior said, "Is you know, is there anything you'd like us to do for you?" And he said, "Well." Can you play this cassette tape when I walk to the ring? And this was kind of unheard of at that point. Oh, geez. And so Vince Sr. said, well, what is it? And he said, well, it's the, you know, the Marine Corps hymn. So they gave it to him. Uh, they, they put it on and it just went from there. And he goes out and he does an interview with Vince Jr., who, you know, was just a uh, reporter at that time. Yep. Um, so he goes out and he does this interview and it's this super heelish interview and he takes his uh, cigar and blows smoke in Vince's face, which Ooh. anybody who anybody who talks about Vince says that, you know, that's like one thing he hates is a cigar, cigarette smoke. Can't stand it. Yep. There's always signs up on his office door that say no smoking, all this stuff. Um, so he absolutely hates it. And so as a heel move, he blew it in his face. Well, he figured he was done. He's like, because he just he did it spur of the moment. It wasn't yeah. planned. And he's like, well, I'm done now. So he gets to the back and uh, Vince Sr., who uh, they said always had like quarters in his hand and was always like flipping quarters, rolling the quarters or whatever in his hand. He's back there doing that and just absolutely loved it, thought it was brilliant. Nice. So one of the things that um, Slaughter at one point uh, was at dinner with Vince Sr., Vince Jr., some other guys, and he... Vince Sr. is telling him how great of a heel he is. Nice. And Slaughter says, well, if you think I'm a great heel, you should see me as a baby face. And Vince Sr. was like, absolutely not. He's yeah. like, no way. We're not doing that. He told Vince Jr., don't you ever turn him baby face. Oh, jeez. So when the time came and Vince Jr. was starting to take over, uh, Vince said to him, do it. So yep. uh he came down to the ring one time after an Iron Sheik match, and the Iron Sheik was still moving his way up the uh, entranceway, uh, and Slaughter specifically bumped into him. Uh, and that started everything. Yep. And so Slaughter had this huge babyface run after that, obviously. Um, you know, he, he left the company over the G.I. Joe issue because yeah. um, there were WWE had just signed a contract with Hasbro and didn't want uh, him doing anything with G.I. Joe. And so they basically told him, you have to choose yeah. you know, WWF or G.I. Joe. And he chose G.I. Joe. So, yeah, um, you know, but he he had what I feel are two super important turns to a person's career. Um, and even, you know. Even the turn back after he lost the title, after he was no longer the Iraqi sympathizer, you know, he went on this big, long sort of promotional tour. They showed all these videos of him at 
iconic, um, you know, like memorials and in Washington, D.C. And he'd, he'd do the promos. He'd be like, I want my country back. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and, and that stuff was great. Uh, I feel like that was very iconic as well. Yeah. Um, so just, you know, a, a guy who's had a couple turns and I really couldn't pick one over the other because yeah. I thought they were both super important. So um, that's that's my number four, Sergeant Slaughter. No, that's a good pick. I mean, I only knew him as a face. So like I'm uh, I, I, I knew he when, he when he turned heel, but I knew him more as a baby face and I knew mm-hmm. him as a heel. Um, I met him last year when I met Sting and that was really cool. Um, so he's a really nice dude. He is super nice. He's yeah. super down to earth. Um, so, yeah, I only knew him as a face, but good. Great pick. It was a twofer. Yeah, there's there's this not to get off not to get off the top five here, but there's this cool story about Sergeant Slaughter where he was on a plane one time, and uh, the uh, he, somehow he got uh, a different seat than his wife. They were both on the plane together, and his wife was seated a few rows back behind him, and he was seated a few rows in front of her. So he sees that there's an empty seat next to her. So he's like, asks the flight attendant, "Can I just move back to that seat?" And so uh, they said, well, no, that seat is being saved. Yeah. As it turned out, the seat was being saved for the first uh, George Bush. Oh, really? So George Bush was sitting next to uh, Sergeant Slaughter's wife. And so he finds out that Sergeant Slaughter's on the plane. So he comes up to Sergeant Slaughter and says, you know, I'll switch seats with you, he said, but I'm going to come sit next to you first and george bush actually sat next to sergeant slaughter and talked to sergeant slaughter for like i don't know 20 25 minutes like he was a big sergeant slaughter fan so then he switched seats with him but just another great like there's there's tremendous sergeant slaughter stories oh Uh, absolutely i'm a huge a lot of good stories yeah of course all right so uh let's let's get back into it we can get off the sergeant slaughter kick for now yes let's focus in with my number three uh my number three i'm going to harken back to as I mentioned in the, during the Odd Couple Tag Team episode, well, now, wherever you get your podcast, the team of Kane and X-Pac was my number one pairing because they were just so great. Yeah. And once I accepted them as a tag team, it was so hard to let it go. X-Pac was Kane's like, first real friend, and it was special, it was sweet, and everything in between. Until X-Pac betrayed Kane on an episode of SmackDown. It was just like heartbreaking as a kid I was so hurt. I remember being so hurt because they were my favorite tag team up to that point. I just loved the, the dynamic, the whole Kane is slowly being this good guy, even though he's still a monster. And X-Pac being like his, you know, under, like it was just so cool. The entrance was cool. They were cool. They were champions. So when it came, X-Pac turned on Kane, I was like, just, I remember being crushed inside. Again, it, it, did, off, it did set off a cool feud where Kane you know, had to get his, you know, revenge. And I loved that that storyline because again i wanted him to get his revenge so bad i remember yelling at the screen you get him kane you get him like uh like just a visual i can never leave my mind just like the one with uh johnny and um champa yeah uh that's that's a that's a really cool pick um so they they were they were just um a a fun tag team because back then you really didn't see a whole lot of this idea of like a mashup where you have yeah. like, you know, um, the, the, the DX and the cane sort of, sort of mashup. Um, so it was really cool to see that. Um, and yeah, you know, everything about them was just a, a fun tag team. Um, 
but there was there was always like this just little part of me that thought like it didn't fit and i think that's where like the apprehension came in where i thought you know this isn't going to last forever and it's probably going to end badly cuz i just they feel like they don't fit for some reason as as cool as it was um as, as neat as the idea was i mean it was it was fun back then because i would play like the uh wwe video games back then oh, of and course. I, would, I would i would make kane suit green and red oh, yeah. or green and black yep. you know to to go with with x-pac the dx theme yeah it was just it was it was a really cool idea and uh you know but i i just i always had the feeling like this is going to somehow end badly like this is oh, not going to oh, be of course <laughs> um it was going to but i just and i you know i don't know how much i don't i mean the Kane and X-Pac feud, I don't know. There were parts of it that I, I wasn't really super into, um, but it was it was still good to see because um, they're both great performers. They're, they're both great wrestlers, um, you know, and, and to be able to see them kind of, you know, uh, have have their feud. It it was it was really neat because, again, you know, uh, I almost kind of felt at that point like that tag team was put together specifically so we could get these guys in a feud together. Yeah, well, and I mean, yeah. It was a great vehicle for that. Um, cause again, you know, uh, talking about like the, the shocking or the surprise aspect of betrayals, um, you know, it's, it's really neat when they build people up like that and you just, you get this sense of like, Hey, you know, these guys are tight. This is, this is really cool. This is going to work. And then it doesn't. Yeah. And you're like, Oh damn. I'm like, <laughs> What was almost worse for me was when Tori turned on Kane, because that really made me feel bad for Kane, because I was like, he had his first girlfriend, first best friend, and then both of them were like, nah, bro, you're a monster, we don't like you, and I was just like, aw, Kane. That's why I waited for weeks to see him get his revenge on Tori and on Xbox. I was just like, when is it going to happen? I just want to see them both get chokeslammed and tombstone and just bye-bye. I always I always felt bad for Tori, because I thought she was a great wrestler, and I don't ever think she got necessarily the the career she should have had i mean she had the she had all the stuff with sable and then she had the stuff with with kane and dx and she was just kind of like um you know she was she was like the the peas next to the mashed potato and steak (laughs) like she wasn't she was she She was was there for the story she was just there to kind of enhance what was happening (laughs) but she wasn't really a main part of it like you know you could you could do without those peas on your plate and just handle (laughs) the mashed potatoes and steak but um (laughs) yeah yeah now uh good stuff um you know it when i when i look at like tag teams of of guys that are kind of thrown together like that or you know just kind of mashed up together um i definitely would put that if if i was talking about like coolest tag teams they would be in my top five because it it was just cool like listening to the theme song watching their entrance like everything about it was just cool because it was one of those things where you're like i don't think i ever really could see this happening and yet somehow it is happening in front of magic yeah and it's it's fun to see it's fun to see some of the different things that they do with Kane too. Oh, like dude. kind of you know out of the box thinking as to what to do with Kane's career. Of course, there's a reason why he's one of my favorite wrestlers, if not my number one. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. All right, uh, my number three is nothing like that at all. <laughs> uh, my number three. So so we had we we've had this running theme so far of talking about like moments that have now define somebody's career and who yep. they're going to be. Yep. 
Uh, to me, this one didn't just define a person. It defined a person, a company, and changed the wrestling business forever. Oh, geez. So here we have this, here we have this company that's kind of chugging along and doing their thing, and they sort of have this you know, connection to the NWA, and all of a sudden, you have this guy win the NWA world title and start naming all the you know big name past NWA champions and basically says you can kiss the rear end and throws the belt down <laughs> as Shane Douglas pretty much turns on the entire NWA oh wow poops all over them <laughs> and starts the seeds of uh changing eastern championship wrestling to the extreme, the extreme. yes uh. So the Shane Douglas turns on the NWA and rechristens the title, the ECW uh, championship, and just rechristens ECW. And for me, um, and again, you know, my number two and my number one have very significant moments as well. But for me, this this is a big one. And when when I say my two and one, you'll see why I kind of had to go with this as three, at least in my mind. But for me, this was just a, a huge deal because, again, we weren't just redefining a, a person. Um, you know, Shane Douglas was becoming the the Shane Douglas that, you know, we would always, you know, we would always know from that point on, like the yeah. ECW version of Shane Douglas, um, which is my favorite version of Shane Douglas, <laughs> only second to Dean Douglas, who he refuses to acknowledge. Dean Douglas. He won't. He won't talk about he it. He won't. He, he won't acknowledge it. He won't sign anything that has Dean Douglas on it, which is a shame. Because if he just steered into that car crash, I mean, he he could make so much money off of that. Just, uh, you know, the yeah, you Shawn Michaels get an F and the yeah. fingernails scratching across the board. I acknowledge Dean Douglas. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, opinion opinions the opinion city podcast officially acknowledges dean douglas i think from now on like i think i'm gonna write that into the intro like, i'm just gonna be like acknowledge dean, dean douglas, douglas. <laughs> so uh dean douglas gets an a there uh, you go but it it defined a, a character it defined a, a company that was a revolution in the world of professional wrestling and it changed so many things yeah absolutely that's a that's a pick that i wouldn't have even thought about i might have been too young for that plus i was never watching in the wa i started watching wwf into e mm-hmm. and now AEW, and a little bit of wcw in there for a little bit i was i was one of those ones that would flip back and forth between raw and nitro mm-hmm. try and catch something from each show but the ads were always off so i always just missed one thing or another i, tr- I tried that for a while i tried to just, just switch roles or uh, watch both at the same time it's very mm-hmm. hard very hard yeah, I I was uh, I was in college at the time, and my dorm room was the one that, when we had our uh, dorm meetings in the hallway, everybody would congregate around my room because we had we had two TVs in there, and we had the cable split, and nice. we'd have we'd have Nitro on one, and we'd have Raw on the other, nice. and uh, genius. We'd we'd really be paying attention to Raw, like we'd have the sound on for that. Maybe we'd have but a video in the background. We'd also we'd also be videotaping WCW. So nice. after Raw was over, we'd run back through WCW and like listen to anything we missed or nice. like cool stuff. But um, yeah, uh, so I was I followed ECW at the time mostly through the wrestling magazines because where I lived, we didn't get even though I was in Pennsylvania, we didn't get a station that carried ECW at the time. It was also on super late too. Yeah, they were they like were mostly. 
Yeah, they were at that point. They were mostly carried by like you know local Philly stations and stuff like that. So I didn't get any of that. I was too far away from Philly. Um, but we would follow them through the the magazines, and I clearly remember uh, their very first pay per view, barely legal. Yeah, someone purchased it and made a VHS tape of it, and there was like ten of us that ended up trading the tape around nice. until everybody got to see it, Perfect. and. I ended up being the last one, and I still have I still have the VHS somewhere uh, of of barely legal. It was one of those. Um, it was a Kodak VHS, and it had like the yellow sticker on it with the Kodak nice. logo, logo, and it had barely written, uh, barely legal written on it with a pen. Nice. Like, I, I can see it all clearly in my head. Classic. But um, yeah, ECW was such a revolution to the world of wrestling, and yeah. I feel like ECW had a lot to do with um, not just you know kind of uh, revolutionizing this idea of a company building itself up from nothing yep. to become this, you know, major player. But it also set the stage for a lot of other indie companies to kind of do the same thing because yep. you have these indie companies that, that have a very ECW vibe to them. They have XPW, CZW, you got, you know, PWG, yep. uh, beyond Chikara. Like they all had these, they all had these feels where, as a fan, you, you felt a part of a community. Yep. And I think that's one of the things that maybe it's not talked about as much, but that's one of the things that ECW really uh, brought to professional wrestling as well was this idea of fandom as a community. And, um, you know, there's there's a ton of stories that, that talk about that, um, you know. Uh, just just different things that happened in the history of ECW where it, it was apparent. But if you look at uh, the second uh, the second one night stand with RVD and Cena, so good. You look at that ECW crowd, and and that was a one hundred percent hardcore. Oh yeah, ECW original, crowd. Yeah. Uh, yeah, original fans. Without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, and and you you just you saw that, and it was it was a community. Like hey. You know, you can say you can say what you want about any other wrestling company, but don't say not, don't say anything about ECW no, and its fans because we will, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the ECW fandom will riot. be on you. Oh yeah, um, big time riot. <laughs> so now, now they could they could talk crap on each other, yeah, you know, but, but <laughs> yeah. it was it was one of those things. So uh, and and it all kicked off with Shane Douglas. Is just betraying the NWA, and what yep. was great about it was it was a real story. Yep. The NWA had no idea that was going to happen. The NWA was pissed after that happened. Like they went after Todd Gordon, and they were just like you know they were pissed. So, yep. um, the fact that it was a real thing that nobody saw coming, um, it, to me, just just puts it way up on the list. Absolutely, it's another great pick, another great one. All right, so. I think we're on number two. We are on number, number two. two. All right, cool, cool. It's, dude, so many topics, um, <laughs> but so good. So yeah. my number two uh, kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with number one, but sort of only because it's it's the same guy who's done the turn. This one, I don't know if you would classify as a turn because they were a heel faction already, but maybe it was a face turn for the guy who got the beatdown. And my pick, because, again... This whole list for me is about visuals in my head as a kid I can't unsee. And mine is the thumbs up, thumbs down, Randy Orton, breakup of, of, of evolution when Triple H, after Orton wins the belt, they do a big celebratory thing in the ring. Triple H gives him two thumbs up, and then his face goes from, from smiling to serious, slow thumbs down. Batista drops him, 
And man, that visual I can never not get out of my head because it's something that I, I will never forget. Just Orton's shocked face when he when he when he gives him the thumbs down. The instant backdrop that he takes, which is which is probably one of the fastest I've ever seen. He snaps him back down to the ground, and then Triple H just eviscerates him. And the whole time, Jr. Was, again commentary thing for the win is just screaming, "Why, why, why are you doing it?" And like it wasn't even a heel turn because he was already heel, but it was a face turn for Orton because no one thought that Triple H was going to turn on Orton, but Triple H wanted that belt so bad because he was jealous. So he just eviscerated him, and that sparked the first big feud with Triple H and Randy Orton. That's that's crazy because I never even thought of that one. <laughs> like that never even popped in my mind. But that is a really that is a really good pick because you know again it's it's a huge change not just for one person but a huge change for four people. Yeah, you know because you had this you had this idea of evolution where you know everybody kind of played their part, and evolution was. Uh, really like the time where Ric Flair kind of, you know, uh, got his confidence back because he always talks about how, like, you know, he was really uh, un- unconfident and unsure when he came yeah. back and Triple H helped him to kind of get his confidence back. Um, but Evolution did such such great things. The, oh, they the were tag a great tit- group. Oh, the yeah. tag title run with Batista and Flair. Like, you know, you look at you look at Evolution and, you know, when you talk about stables, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the horsemen are up there as far as, you know, uh, living the gimmick, the presentation, the promos, everything kind of building this image. Yeah. And, you know, as, as wrestling fans later on in years, um, got to be, got to see their sort of their own version of that. Like, you know, like we, we would talk like, you know, people that were, you know, big into wrestling uh, back in the day would talk about, you know, like I was I was there. I saw the horsemen, all this yep. stuff. Well, people later on can say, well, I was there for evolution because it had that same sort of vibe to it um, where everybody, you know, sort of played their part. And there was just this image of them, uh, you know, even the even like the early promo work they did where you know, like the evolution theme is playing and they're coming up over the hill and they're yep. all in suits. And like they just they they lived the gimmick and you know, you had guys like Batista and Randy Orton who, um, you know, were both younger guys, uh, newer to the business than, than Flair and Triple H. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I don't think they were necessarily people even now seeing where their characters went. Those are not people that we would see necessarily in those roles. They're oh, not yeah. like the Rolex wearing, suit wearing, no. you know, uh, styling and profiling kind of guys. They're more, you know, they, they've got their own style and they're very, yep. you know, uh, rough and gritty and like it's completely different. So, you know, to, to see them in that role, you know, kind of kind of early on. And um, but, yeah, it's it's a turn that kind of shifted a lot of things. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know that there are talks about how like. Randy Orton behind the scenes wasn't necessarily ready for the quick success he got with yeah. Evolution, and um, but I think the turn and just having the feud with Triple H, you know, being able to learn from both sides of it. Oh, where yeah. first you're aligned with Triple H, now you're in an individual program with Triple H, and just getting both sides of that, I think, was probably part of you know, why Orton became as great as he did. Why oh, yeah. Orton is seen as such a legend because he had, you know, he got to sit under the learning tree twice, technically. Yeah. 
it's one of those things like with Orton where I think in this instance, maybe again, if he didn't have this big turn on him, mm-hmm. who knows if Orton would become as big as he has with working with all these big names like Flair and Triple H and all the other names that he ended up working with when he got big with Taker and, you know, when he was a legend killer sure. with Foley. Like, he got to play with some big, heavy hitters, and that also helped, you know, catapult his career to new heights after that big turn. And, I mean, you know, he, he got to the point where, you know, like you said, he was doing the legend killer gimmick, which was, was My phenomenal. Favorite oh, gimmick. I loved it. Yeah, so good. Um, and, like, even, you know, his, uh, his, his hardcore match with Mick Foley, Mick Foley considers that, One you know, that favorites. and mind games with Shawn Michaels, he considers those his favorite matches. And it's like... You know, to get to that point where, you know, um, you're able to do the things that Randy's done. Um, I mean, it's just it's it's incredible to see everything that Randy's done and how that turn, uh, you know, facilitated a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, not that he was the best face because he never he never really was up until at least the Archie Bro stuff. That stuff to me is magic. But beforehand, he never had a he, he was never a decent face until more recently. Like I feel like his first initial runs weren't great because yeah. he was a better as a heel than he was as, as a face, in my opinion. Oh, he's, he's a great heel, but his face, it's it's just not his forte. I mean, he if has you, to be the predator, the apex predator. He's, yeah. That's why he's a heel. If you, well, if I mean, if you look at, you know, if we talk about like top heels in the history of wrestling, Randy's up there because I feel like you have certain guys that come in and they're either, they can go back and forth but you also have certain guys that like we know this guy is always going to be a face. We know this guy is always going to be a heel because they're just better at it. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like um, that that Randy is absolutely one hundred percent suited for that. Um, I hope that before Cody Rhodes gets to Roman Reigns, that Randy returns and he has a feud with Cody Rhodes because be I think he'd be a great heel for Cody. Yeah, and there's a great story there with uh, Legacy. Legacy, yeah, yeah. We could bring um, that back around. We can't. We can't bring. Uh, I don't think we can bring Ted DiBiase Jr. back. Nah, he's, he's gonna be in prison for a long time. Yeah, he's got some problems, but <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that would be a great feud because again, uh, Randy's such a great heel, mm-hmm. and I think that really helped, uh, you know, catapult that career for him. Absolutely, uh, definitely a great moment. Yeah, yeah. All right. So for my number two, we're going two for Tizu, and I'm not talking about Xbox. I just like <laughs> saying two for Tizu. Uh, so for my number two, this is really two turns in one. Right. And I really felt like this had to be on the list because it was groundbreaking. Nobody saw it coming. And I don't think that this, and again, it's number two because I don't think this was a moment that really established anybody, established characters. I I don't really think it did a whole lot because I think both of these guys were already superstars in their own right. And, you know, um, one of them in, even though he's turning in this moment, there are other things I think that really this necessitated the turn and we knew at this point that he was turning heel, but I think there are other factors that contributed to really what his heel turn was. But my number two is the double turn at WrestleMania 13, where 
Steve Austin pretty much went face, and Bret Hart pretty much went heel. Oh, that match! Mm, that's such a good match too. It was, it was funny when you were t- when you were talking about your number two, and you were talking about visuals and moments that you couldn't get out of your head. I really oh, thought that, that this was going to be your number two with Austin in the sharpshooter and the blood, blood just dripping from his face. Yeah, there's a there's a t shirt out there. Yeah. There's a t shirt out there they sell that's got that in black and white on the yep. front of it, and it is. It is such a stunning visual, yeah. even in black and white. Yep. Um, but this was unheard of to have two wrestlers go into a match and do and a then, double and turn just like that. Switch characters like that. On, yeah. On the biggest stage, yeah. WrestleMania 13. I mean, WrestleMania 13 was pretty much a dud, with the exception of that match. Yeah, it, it, it didn't have the best of cards, but Austin and, and Hart, you know, stole the freaking show, man. Everybody, rem- everybody remembers that WrestleMania for that match, and I mean, Bret Hart was, uh, Bret Hart went full on heel in that match. I mean, grab- they were smart. They knew that the that the crowd was turning, so instead of mm. trying to go against it, they just embraced it. They said, "Hey, let's just do it." Yeah, um, you know, uh, you know, trying to choke, trying to choke out Austin with the TV cable, oh, yeah. hitting him with the ring bell, yep. like it, you know. Bret Hart couldn't have been more heel in this match. And then at the very end, like, you know, Shamrock putting Hart down, like, you knock it off. Yep. Like, you, oh, yeah. boy. Yeah. That, was, that was quite a moment, too. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we had just never seen anything like it before. And I feel like both of these guys were superstars even before this. And I think they would have gone on to huge heights even before this. And I still think that we would have seen... Austin become face at some point because oh, yeah. the, the crowd was just behind him and there was no, it didn't matter what he did. No, he was, he was one of those like in betweeners that like you can have them do the worst things and they'll still be like, yeah, yeah. do it. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then you had Bret Hart who I feel like, you know, he was going to turn heel no matter what. And again, this is my number two because I feel like even though this facilitated the Bret Hart heel turn, I don't think this was really where the heel turn kind of got its legs. Yeah. I think the anti-American part of it where, you know, here you had a guy who legit, you know, south of the Canadian border was the biggest heel in the company. North of the Canadian border was the biggest baby face, face ever, ever yeah. seen. That um, match where he came out in Canada when he was a heel oh. and they cheered him to the high heavens. It's such a switch. Like you didn't expect it. Like, oh. He is a heel, but he's not in his hometown. <laughs> if I talk, if I talk about great entrances, to me, um, the the whole Heart Foundation entrance at In Your House Canadian Stampede was one of the greatest entrances of all time. The four of them each getting individually uh, acknowledged. Uh, it was just, it was incredible, and the reaction, like the the pop for that crowd, for every single one of them, even even Brian Pillman, like the, all of them. The pop yeah. was just insane, and then when Bret Hart came out, I mean, the roof blew off that place. Deafening. And it and watching deafening. the celebration at the end, where everybody came running into the ring, and yep. and here you're having a celebration like that in Canada, and then the next, you know, the next week, the next month, you know, he's getting booed again more than anybody else in the company. So that's why it ended up number two on my list because I felt like. You know, it was the start of the heel turn, but it wasn't the it wasn't the, the thing that really turn. gave it, wasn't it its the legs. Heel turn. It was like the start of it. But it made number two because it was it was such an impressive and groundbreaking moment. We'd never seen anything like it before, where two guys just completely turned in a match. Yeah. Um. But it really did save that WrestleMania 13 card, and that's what everybody remembers. Oh yeah, they don't remember anything else but that match because that's what 
defined WrestleMania 13. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Not even Tinker's match was was probably remembered because no. again, it was Austin and Hart. Yeah. I don't even know who we faced that year. Uh, I believe that was that not the year it was Taker and Sid. I that's what I'm saying. I, I think I, it. I, I think it was Taker and Sid. I know 14 was Taker and uh, Kane. If we if we had a if we had a producer available, they could look that <laughs> look up at for that us. For but, us. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. One I, day maybe. I think it was. I think it was him and Sid. <laughs> yeah. If I remember correctly, because uh, uh, I think that was like Cowboy Taker too. Where he had like the the long jacket with the short sleeves, and he had like the the kind of cowboyish hat oh, on, yeah, like yeah. the leather cowboy hat. Yeah, I like to call that cowboy taker. Cowboy taker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I and honestly, I don't think I can remember another match on that card. As I'm saying, I uh, only remember oh, Stoke. Uh, that was that was in that was in Chicago, right? WrestleMania 13. I believe so. And uh, the the other match I remember was oh, the street fight. Yeah. Uh, between the nation and um, the the Legion of Doom and Ahmed Johnson, because that's when the Legion uh, that's when Ahmed Johnson came out and he had the shoulder pads on like the Legion yep, of Doom. Yep. That was that was a that was a a good train wreck of a match. That was just I mean right, that you was were right. It was Psycho fight. Sid. It was Psycho Sid confirmed. Yep. It was okay. in it was a no DQ match for the WWE Championship, and yep. I think that might have been Taker's like second or third reign as champion. Yeah, but yeah. Really quickly, I want to again try not to go off the rails here, but just I have it here the list of matches, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't think of any of these other than Austin and Hart. So from the top, Billy Gunn versus Flash Funk, <laughs> the Headbangers beating Doug Furness and Phil Lafon, the oh. Godwins. Uh, you have Rocky Maivia beating uh-huh. the Sultan. Ah, the Blue Chipper. <laughs> you have Triple H before you Triple H Hunter Hemsley against Goldust. See, now that you're saying some of these things, <laughs> I remember some of them, but I never would have guessed any of that. You had Owen Hart and the British Bulldog versus Mankind and Vader. Wow. <laughs> you had Ahmed Johnson and the Legion doing what you said. Yeah. Facing the Nation of Domination. The Chicago Street Fight. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, n- n- none of those matches ring a bell to me. None of those matches ring a bell to me. <laughs> I just... <laughs> Other I, than Stone Cold and Austin. I just remember <laughs> there was there was a move... Uh, I believe there was a kitchen sink in that match or like a because I, I also remember there was something with either it was either flour, baking soda or baby powder. I just remember <laughs> Ahmed being covered in it. It, yep. it was like, yeah, a, it was a crazy train wreck of a match. But <laughs> yeah, it was it, it was not bad. I'll say that much. But yeah. Uh, yeah, no, not a memorable card except for. Brett and and I think I think Triple H and Goldust was pretty good if I, I remember think, correctly. I don't know if it was bad. I just remember that you know Austin and Hart kind of saved and outshined kind of the rest of the pretty card. Pretty much, yeah. So that's not to say that the rest of the card was bad if it was or wasn't. No, but no, that sure. was what that show was known for. Yeah. So, yeah, great pick. Excellent. All right, so that brings us to the main event of the evening. Yeah, um, number yeah, one. Number one. That wasn't bad. Okay. Number one, like I said, it's the same guy that turns. But for me, the reason why I picked it was, again, visuals. Me as a kid watching this now, this was in 2002, so I wasn't that far into my wrestling, you know, watching career, if you will. <laughs> I was only maybe like two or three, four years in, because I remember mm-hmm. my earliest memory is when Kane debuted in the Hell in a Cell against Taker. So I would just gotten the, the, the tail end of DX was when I started watching it. I enjoyed it, but I only caught the tail end of it. I didn't catch, mm-hmm. like... The, the the early beginnings with Triple H and Michaels, and Michaels had been gone for four years, and he had just came back, and they teased a DX reunion. 
2002, mm. which I was so yeah. excited for at the time. I was like, yeah, I get a chance to see them again. Or so we thought. This is my number one because I just remember the visual so vividly because they walk out. They do the whole DX thing. It was amazing. Triple H does the, well, let's get ready to suck you. And as soon as he says, he turns to, to Michaels, gives him the most devastating pedigree I've seen. Still to this day, he just flattens him. Yeah. And the crowd was shunned to silence. And then immediate boos, like the loudest boos you ever heard. I just yeah. remember being in a state of shock. I had no words. I was just like in a state of silence just watching mm-hmm. it. Because yeah. instead of this nostalgic run, what we got was probably the most memorable blood feud of the Ruthless Aggression era up to that point. Yeah, their matches were just ruthless, bloody. They beat the tar out of each other, and they were supposed to be best friends. But that visual of that pedigree was just because he hadn't been back yet. He was still wasn't like cleared to wrestle up to that point. He just right. came back for the T's, the X. But that's what started his mm-hmm. amazing like seven or eight year run coming back was that. But just that visual, I can never unsee, even to this day. Yeah, that's. Um... So I think it was probably something that they had always wanted to do because it always seems oh, like, sure. you know, best friends or brothers or whoever, you know, they, they like working together. But at the same time, like, you know, you always want to have that that one great feud, um, you know, really kind of work with each other in that manner. Um, so, you know, it was it was really interesting to see some of the stuff they did. But again, like, you know. I feel like being as close of friends as they were kind of made it that much easier to, you know, just tee off on each other. Oh, yeah. And like, cause like you said, yeah, they, they had some absolutely brutal matches. Um, you know, uh, I always feel like the idea of this never really sits well with fans. And I feel like the feud itself may not have gotten, uh, necessarily the attention it deserves or maybe like the, the place in history it deserves as a, a great um, feud just because I, I feel like the the whole teasing of the DX reunion, I think that kind of ruined it for a lot of people because I think a lot of people were excited for that. They were, but, no, they were legit like excited to see that yeah. happen. Like they had been gone for a few years mm-hmm. as, you know, we, I mean, yeah, we saw like the new version of DX, but we didn't see the OG DX in yeah. years at, at that point. We we saw the new version of DX yeah. with X-Pac, Billy Gunn, Road Dog, which is great. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I think people wanted that nostalgic, old-school, two-man run again. Yeah. I mean, we didn't get it officially until 2006, but that initial tease, everyone was so mad when it happened. So mad that that Triple H turned. And again, that pedigree I just cannot unsee because it was just a flat... HPK didn't block nothing. Yeah. He just took it. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, I think a lot of the reason that maybe that feud doesn't exactly resonate with with people either is that when we did get DX back, it was so bad. Like there there, there were funny moments. I enjoyed that run. I, there were funny at least moments, the first, but it like, wasn't year or so. But then when it got you know kind of tuned it, out a little bit. But the first year or so, I, I I enjoyed it. It wasn't it wasn't the DX we remembered. It was well, of course you not because Michael went you know full you know. Jesus moment, like he saw God and all that stuff, so he found himself. So, well, so, sure. so he couldn't go back to the full on like DX stuff, but he tried. Yeah. yeah, he would do the crotch chops. He would, but but he was sort of like the the uh, the PG version of Triple H. He would always kind of cut Triple H off, which is why I enjoy when he would be like, "Oh, whoa, don't do that." Yeah, that. <laughs> you know, not not to get too far off the rails here. No, but, no, no. Um, I always 
I always wondered about Shawn Michaels because I, I like I get everything that's happened in his life. I I, I uh, read the book. I've listened to interviews. I know the story. I know his testimony. I've heard it a number of times. I mean, I, I met the guy uh, when I bought his uh, I, I went to an autograph signing for his book all about his, you know, uh, life in, in religion and his, his yeah. turnaround and everything. So it always kind of made me wonder, like, when he came back and he was like, couldn't do the DX stuff. I didn't really understand why he couldn't do any of the DX stuff. But then when it came to his feud with uh, Vince McMahon and and tag teaming with God and all this stuff. Yeah, he was okay with all of that. Um, listen, I, I'm a I'm a Christian. Uh, I don't hide it from anybody. Nope. Um, you know, I, I make it very well known. Uh, I, I do a lot of things with with my church and, and things like that. I will be the first to admit that the McMahon family prayer, as terrible as it was, was probably <laughs> one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. The, I, I I legitimately laughed until I cried watching the McMahon family prayer. I, I just I, <laughs> I found it so hilarious. But you know, all this stuff that they did though, like they got really they got really sacrilegious with it. Yeah. When you know, Vince in the yeah. church and yep. like just it, it got really bad and I was just shocked to see that that Shawn Michaels would be um you know I- involved in that uh um, yeah. you know when he came back and he had his uh street fight with Triple H you know he came out wearing uh he came out wearing a a quote unquote wife beater that had a bible verse on it yep. you know it was like Philippians 4:13 yep. which yep you know, basically says I can do all things through God who strengthens me. Yep. That was like, that was the image that he was presenting as he yeah. came back. And I get, you know, bowing out of some of the DX stuff. I get that. But then, Mm-mm. you know, being willing to do all that other stuff and be involved in that and like not saying, Hey, maybe we shouldn't be doing this or, yeah. you know, this, this is, uh, this is offensive. You know, yeah. Whatever. I mean, I get the wrestling business, you know, um, and I'm sure at that point he probably didn't want to cause waves or, you know, rock the boat or anything like that. Because no. um, it, it doesn't sound to me like, you know, he was intrusive with people when it came to his faith. Um, you know, the, no. I, I have heard many stories of conversations people have had backstage and uh, even going so far as to have like certain wrestlers would have Bible studies backstage and, and yeah. things like that. But again, not to get off on a tangent, we could talk yeah. about religion and wrestling for a whole episode, yeah. but come back full circle. Yeah. I, I feel like, uh, in this case, again, like with all of our other, uh, lists, uh, numbers on here, words didn't come out of my mouth. Right. <laughs> this is another case where I feel like if this betrayal didn't happen, would we still see the forming of evolution? Would we get the reign of terror that Triple H caused for a year? Would we have that side of him had he not betrayed Michaels? Sure. And another image that I can't get in my head is when after their big their first big match, Triple H nails him in the back with that sledgehammer. Oh, that was rough. And just oh man, 
Yeah, because you, you, I mean, because you knew about his back injury, yeah. and he had just been cleared. So you're like, oh man. I mean, how many, how many times did they show the video of him getting dumped over the rope at the Royal Rumble and hitting yep. the side of the casket? Yep. Like, you know, they they made sure everybody knew about that, and yeah, that was that was a big moment, like hitting him with that sledgehammer. That was huge. Yeah. So that's why that's my number one, just because of again for me it was visual. My favorite mm-hmm. was number five, but number one for me was just. A visual that was never has never left my mind as a wrestling fan. Yeah, maybe cool. with your number one, sir. All right, so ready. My number one, I have to say, um, if I look at the history of professional wrestling, and I look at shocking betrayals, and I look at shocking turns, and I look at heel turns, and I look at you know all of these things together, if I walked up to a wrestling fan and I'm going to be honest. We talked about Hulk Hogan at the beginning. And I still think that if I walked up to most wrestling fans that have been wrestling fans, hardcore since like the eighties, you know, the whole like WrestleMania and on sort of era. If I said to you, what was the most shocking, uh, turn or betrayal that you can think, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of that? It's my number one. I think people would name this one right off the bat. And can I guess? Can sure. I, can I get one guess? Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Let me let me finish what I'm saying. Then then you can guess because okay. I got I got another clue. Okay. So um, as far as that goes, this I think that's not only the first thing they they would say, but I also think that if we look at the history of betrayals, I think that this one catapulted someone to a level that I don't think any other turn has ever catapulted anybody. So go ahead and guess. Mega powers explode. No. Damn. Okay. Got it. Don't know. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and listen, when I first thought of this list, uh, in addition to thinking of all of the big show's terrible turns, I also thought of the mega powers exploding. And um, But I, I, to me, I don't think that was really a shocking betrayal at all because no, I think from coming. the very beginning, I know you knew that Macho Man was going to turn on him at some point. Yeah, like it, it was. You could just see bubbling it. over for weeks yeah. and weeks out. So, my number one is actually one we already talked about. It's Shawn Michaels throwing Marty Jannetty through the barbershop <laughs> window. And I honestly listen. I think if I asked most wrestling fans. Um, I think I would, honestly, if I had to give it a number, I think I would get 30% for NWO. I think I'd get 70% for the barbershop window. No, that's fair. And, and for me, I don't feel like any turn has catapulted someone to the same level of career that this turn catapulted HBK to Mm -hmm. Mr. WrestleMania, uh, you know, the showstopper. Uh, you know, I, I mean, everything that this man has done, all the names, yeah, everything that this man has done in his career, um, you know, from winning titles to winning the Royal Rumble to main eventing WrestleMania to, you know, coming out at WrestleMania on a zip line, facing Taker twice. Oh, facing Taker twice being in what most people consider the, the greatest WrestleMania match of all time, either that or Macho Man and Steamboat. But I yeah. I go with I go with Taker and Sean <laughs> partly because I was there live for it, but also because the first I, one or the, or the second one. I was at the first one. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I mean, I think I I saw it live. It was incredible. Um. I, I think it was I think it was much more. Um. I just think it was much more spectacular than 
Macho and, and Steamboat because Macho and Steamboat wasn't just about like Macho and Steamboat. Like George the Animal Steel was involved, Miss yeah, Elizabeth was involved. Like it was a thing. Yeah, and when you look at Taker and uh, Shawn Michaels, it was all Taker and Shawn Michaels. Oh, like, yeah. And I think the build-up to that match was incredible. And quite honestly, I think the entrances were incredible. Were awesome. when, when Michaels started way up in the top, on that lift went down and lift. came down and he was wearing all white the white version of taker's outfit like yeah. come on so that's, cool you know yeah. you can't you cannot beat that talk about so visuals <laughs> that's visual um but i don't think i don't think any turn has ever catapulted somebody to the level of success that Shawn michaels has had Shawn michaels is you know a a hall of famer yep. like it's just there's so much about it that um you know screams that this turn in my mind has to be the greatest turn of all time, even more than Hogan, because huh. to me, Hogan was uh, Hogan was a star long before the turn. Oh, yeah, of course. Hogan basically reinvented himself and, you know, showed that there was a lot more to him than just, uh, you know, playing this uber baby face. He hit but, the reset button. Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> In a way that we'd never seen before. Yeah. But I still feel like. This this turn, I, I feel like eventually it was going to happen no matter how it happened. Oh, yeah. And I just feel like, for me, this was this was it. This was the best turn we'd ever seen as far as catapulting somebody to a career and a level that has never been seen before. And it pretty much destroyed the career of another guy. I was going to say, I felt super bad for Marty. I mean, like... After that happened, like they like he, they tried with him, but there was just they had nothing for him. If anybody, they made HBK the man, and they're like, "All right, Marty, sorry, but like you're gonna, yeah, kind of go over there." Yeah, I mean, if anybody watched the Dark Side of the Ring episode about I to watch him, it. Um, you, yeah, I mean, you'll get you'll get just a glimpse of it. But I mean, he went down know, in a rabbit hole. The, the biggest, of, like depression, man. Like, yeah, he went well, real the, far. The the height the height of his career after that was uh, starring in the new Rockers with Leaf Cassidy. Yeah, but that wasn't even that good. And even you know, like I mean, he had he had one good comeback, you know, where he did the tag match with uh, Michaels on Raw yep. when the Rockers came back for one night. Like, yeah, you know, they're just I don't know. Um, Shawn Michaels was always destined to be a star, and Marty Jannetty probably was just wasn't. He yeah. didn't he didn't have it, I guess. But for me. This is this is easily my number one just because of how important it was for the career of Shawn Michaels. Yeah, no, it really it like I said, it catapulted his career. Like if that didn't happen again, who knows if he would have the showstopper, the headliner, Mr. WrestleMania, yeah. HBK Heartbreak Kid himself. Yeah, absolutely. So Yep. Yeah, it's uh it's it's definitely it's definitely a big one. And again, you know, these lists are completely subjective and yep. these lists are, you know, how we feel so um, you know, it's it's all it's all subject to opinion, which is pretty much everything we debate on this Hence show. Hence the name but... Opinion City. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> that's a that's a pretty clever use of uh, the English language there. So yeah, um, so here we are, the end of episode fifteen. Um, you know, it's 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 been a good run so far. Uh, we've got a lot more planned. We've got a lot more guests planned. We've got a lot more great. Topics planned. We um, have all in coming up. Two yes, weeks. Yes, this is going to be weeks. this is going to be our big one. It's going to um, be a big show. We're going to have 
soon we'll have some uh, special announcements on social media about what exactly we're going to be doing for all in uh but we've got some we've got some big plans and no we're not flying to the uk no however i, I wish don't think i didn't think of that <laughs> um but we aren't we are not flying to the uk but we will definitely be doing something special for all in as we'll, you know, we'll be back in the studio yeah Yay. so uh yeah so we are we are here again currently uh recording from the uh the New Jersey studio yeah. uh where Sean is uh normally coming into us from uh I am usually at the home office in Lehigh and PA uh but we we decided to get together for this uh this this uh special occasion here episode 15 yeah so it's uh it's, it's been a ride yeah it's it's been a fun ride On so far but we've got <laughs> but we've got we've got so much more in store so uh you know just uh keep keep listening uh we're we're thankful for every listener we have um you know we thank you guys for just supporting us as you have um 14 states like five different countries so far so uh it's 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 been a run uh and yeah. we've we're just getting started we've got a lot more plans so um you know again a uh, big thank you for listening to the Opinion City podcast with uh, myself and my good friend and partner Parmesan. Hey, if you like what you've just heard, you know we hope you will uh, follow us on social media. Let all your friends, family, and colleagues know about us. We are at Opinion City Pod across all the socials, and uh, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora. Google Podcasts, uh, Amazon Music, uh, you know, MySpace. I don't know. Wherever you get your podcasts, please like us. Give us a rate and a review. Uh, we appreciate it. Yes, be sure to check out all the other episodes. Go back, listen to them all, catch up with where you're at. Let us know what you think of each topic, as we love to hear from you. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and threads at Opinion City Pod. This has been a Mancast Network production, and we will see you next time. This is also Ann here. You're listening to Opinion City Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Happy